Surprise! Uh, hi. Hi. Um, man, Ryan Gillies. Let's give that guy a round of applause. Uh, I, I have... Yeah. Just because. I have the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him, and he's a great guy. And I am appreciative for the fact that he read those announcements this morning, because I like to know what's going on in our church. And holy cow, uh, being led in worship this morning by this team has been an incredible privilege for me to be able to be down in one of the, one of the seats with an unexpected dose or two of hip-hop in there. I could not have orchestrated that better if, uh, if I tried. So I'm really, I'm grateful for the way God put that together this morning. Normally, when I grab a microphone, I'll, I'm, a, I'm gonna say something like, well, good morning again, hello again, it's Sunday again, except the, the thing this time is I'm saying it kind of from the middle of the service rather than the beginning, and I don't have any kind of guitar within reach, which is, um, you know, terrifying for me. Uh, if you are a guest here this morning, uh, let me add my words of welcome to the ones that you've already received. I am so, so glad that you're here, and hopefully I'll get a chance to be able to meet you at some point, just like you've met some wonderful people. If, however, you are a semi-regular or regular attender, it seems pretty safe to say that you have seen this mug here before. Uh, you, you may think of me as uh, the guy who just sort of emerged onto the platform out of thin air about 15 months ago, or perhaps, you know, after uh, having come out of some sort of worship leader cocoon that we had stored out back. But uh, this is not the case. Uh, let me assure you that my highest profile times on the platform at Moncton Wesleyan predate my current stint by uh, at least a couple of decades. Uh, I'm not sure if we have photographic evidence of that or not. Oh, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the hair. Oh, my gosh. Father, what have I done? Uh, this, is, uh, this is from a musical uh, that we had here, a kid's musical, uh, many years ago, Colby the Singing Computer, where I was the singing computer. And uh, if you're a young person in the room today, uh, let me explain. Back, this is from the previous century, uh, when we obviously thought the technology was going bigger rather than smaller. Uh, we were ahead of the game on wearables, though, for those of you who track along with that. Um, the theme of the message this morning is neither technology nor musicals, uh, but why we worship. So let me start by asking you a question. Why are you here? Why are you here this morning? Either sitting in one of our comfy seats or maybe uh, watching or listening online, why are you here? Are you here because it's Sunday morning and that's just what you do? Were you invited this morning? Are you here because gathering with the church is something that you find exciting, magnetic? Are you here because your wife said it was either this or fixing the leaky faucet in the basement? No, it's a pretty specific scenario. Why are you here? Now, I have a number of ways that I could answer that question. Uh, it is my tradition. It is my habit. Uh, it is my job. Yes, this is true. These are all true. Uh, not terribly inspiring, perhaps, but true. Now, the answer that I want to give, which, mind you, is, is also true, is that I am here because I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe in his 
desire that I be united not only to him, but to his body here on earth. More to the point, though, given our topic this morning, I am here because I am learning to love. I am here because I believe that worship shapes my heart. Now, ever since I was a kid, I actually wanted to come to church. My parents and I, uh, were, we agreed that I was very, very blessed to have been able to grow up in this church, to be excited to wake up on Sunday mornings and see what those crazy puppets were going to get up to. Now, again, young people, puppets were things that existed before the internet. You can, you can Google those. Now, I loved coming to church. It was fun. It was exciting. And I learned foundational truths about God the Father, about the work of Jesus Christ, and about the role of the church here on earth. And those truths paved the way for me to get to meet and get to know Jesus Christ. And let me take a moment here to say that I am eternally grateful for those who gave sacrificially and served me and people of my age at that point of time. The same type of people, mind you, who are sacrificially uh, serving your kids this morning and, and my kids this morning over at Kids World. Now, when I became a teenager, no amount of VeggieTales VHS tapes or bags of chocolate would have been enough to drag me out of bed before noon on a Sunday. Um, thankfully, though, having grown up in this church, I had an even greater cause to be able to come to church. I had friends. Never, ever underestimate the power of social pull and community, right? Especially on teenagers. Even while I was floating in a teenage bubble, though, I was being inundated by elemental truths that built on the next layer in my life. Core scriptures that seeped into my subconscious sharing in the rich symbolism of communion and baptism and singing congregational songs that shaped not only my theology but my, my prayer vocabulary, the effects of which they still live with me today. So through habituation and through those fastening social circles that I described, I maintained regular weekly involvement in church services. And my participation in that corporate Christian worship eventually helped move me from belief to experience, or from the head to the heart. And I won't, I won't go into all the details this morning, but in my late teenage years, I had a number of experiences both inside this church and outside that helped me to experience what we might call the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Not only had I been forgiven of my sins through the work of Jesus Christ and my acceptance of it, but I'd been brought into his family through the waters of baptism, and then I was given the gift of the Holy Spirit as a, as a deposit or as a seal, like it says in, in the letter to the Ephesians in the Bible. Now, on Sunday mornings, I wasn't just excited to get together with my church or my people, but I was excited to meet with my God, my Father. Now, to be clear, to be clear, I did not always feel that way. And to be honest... I do not always feel that way. There are times still in my life where some of the freshness of those early experiences can kind of seem a little bit stale. And I can almost allow myself to believe that some of those things were like figments of my imagination. Almost. But then 
seemingly out of the blue, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, I will hear God break in and he will whisper something like, I am here. I am with you. And church, do you know where I most often experience these whispers? In worship services, just like these ones. So even if I wouldn't have had any feeling inside me this morning that would have made me want to lace up my sneakers and, and hit church, my belief, bolstered by experience, tells me that the God of the Bible is real, that Jesus Christ has come and he is coming again, and that by participating with his people in these types of worship services, my heart is being retrained, my loves are being broken down and reformed, and step by step, these services are helping me be formed into the image of God. So that church is the fairly lengthy answer to why I am here this morning. So let me ask you again. Why are you here? Now, after all that, let me tell you, that is not a question that's intended to induce any sort of guilt. Um, there are a lot of different reasons why people might come to church on a Sunday morning, and I can guarantee you that very, very few of them are bad. You know, maybe if you're casing the joint or whatever, but beyond that, Anything that is bringing you and keeping you in community with fellow journeyers, I think we could mostly agree it's a good thing. I am unable to answer for you why you're here this morning, but I can take a few minutes and just unpack the why behind what we do when we gather at Moncton Wesleyan Church, why we worship. Now, before I, I move on, it might be wise to just sort of define that term a little bit. What do I mean when I say worship? Let me propose this as a working definition this morning. Worship is a process through which our desires are oriented and transformed. Worship is a process through which our desire, desires are oriented and transformed. That's a bit too much of a mouthful. Let me, let me break it down a little bit easier. Worship shapes your heart. We have that worship shapes your heart. That's easier. We can remember that, maybe. Worship shapes your heart. Now, it bears noting that the definition worship here doesn't say anything about the church. It doesn't even say anything about God. This definition of worship is much more general. I think it applies to uh, every time that we get together as a body of believers, but it also applies to when we seek God when we're in isolation, you know, maybe in our homes, our living rooms, or our cars. It also applies to hockey rinks, to offices, to shopping malls, to wherever outside forces are unconsciously at work to shape our hearts for their own desires. At all times, church, at all times, we are engaging in worship. At all times, we are being formed in one way or another. As we can see in this handy-dandy little diagram here, there is worship, and then there is Christian worship, and then there's this really particular intersection, corporate Christian 
worship, what we do when we gather together in services like this. And it is this little dot that I want to talk about this morning. So for the sake of clarity, when I say worship this morning, so I don't have to say corporate Christian worship a thousand times, can we just agree that worship, I mean this, corporate Christian worship. What happens when we gather like this? How are our hearts being shaped, and what are they being shaped into? Show of hands, anybody ever heard of a guy named Simon Sinek? Simon Sinek? We got a Okay, good. He's one of these thought guru type guys. You see him? Oh, we're getting, oh, we're not, oh, this little guy here loves Simon Sinek. Yeah, hands up. Um, he helped popularize a uh, concept a couple years ago known as the golden circle. Uh, essentially, Sinek says that every, nearly everybody at every organization in the entire world can tell you what they do. This should make sense. You should know what you do. Now, Fewer people at fewer organizations can tell you how they do what they do. And then the circle narrows to a highly reduced select number of people who can understand and then articulate why, why they do what they do. Generally, when people approach their work to try to gather some meaning out of it, they start on the outside, and they try to drill their way through the what and the how until they get to the why, and they find that the center is pretty hollow. But if we can start by not only trying to understand uh, the ends and the means, but, but the purpose, if we can start with why, then not only will we be much more effective at what we do, but people will be kind of drawn towards us because of a, a larger degree of gravitational pull, if you will, if you could start with why. So, of course, the question to be posed is, why would I take two minutes to share that with you this morning? When I realized that I was going to have the opportunity to share with you this morning, the very first thing that came to me, the very first thing was anxious nausea. But the very second thing that came to me was this idea that I might be able to unpack some of the hows of what we do in corporate worship. I figured almost all of us who come to this church, who have been here once or a thousand times, we'd be pretty familiar with the what's. You know, we know what we do. We, we welcome each other. We, we sing, we hear video announcements, we hear preaching, we pray, we read scripture, we eat pizza, and then we go home, right? These are, the, these are the what's of our liturgy. This is what we do. But the hows, oh man, those fuzzy little murky hows, that how starts to get into things like service order, flow, uh, our transitions, uh, what people wear, what people say, choices regarding lighting and musical style, all the things that are, you know, nebulous. How, in church contexts, can tend to be the most divisive things. So as I said, I was kind of, I was kind of amped up. I was kind of excited. I'm like, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to explain the hows, which would have been a great title, explain the hows. But anyway, the, um, after much prayer and after, uh, consulting with people who are much, much wiser than I am, it became pretty clear pretty fast that that would be a, um, a waste of time. It'd be a waste of time for you and probably for me. 
Because if we try to talk about the what, if we try to talk about the how without understanding the why, it's not going to make any sense. Why do we worship? Why are we here? Why are you here this morning? Can you say with me, worship shapes your heart? Worship shapes your heart. Let me add to this that I believe specifically gathering together as a church, as a group of people who are seeking to know and serve and follow after Jesus and participating in the what's of our worship services, it shapes our heart in a very specific way. I believe that actively participating in worship services is key to having our hearts shaped into the image of Jesus Christ and having our desires mirror his own. King David wrote in Psalm 34 that we should taste and see that the Lord is good. And do you know how he did that? He did that by writing a song, a song that people would sing together in community. And many years later, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they will be filled. So I would submit that to want what God wants might take a little bit more than learning how to think how God thinks. Worship shapes your heart, and your heart shapes your life. If this morning, hypothetically, I walked over to this side of the platform, say right about here, and I put right in the corner here a, uh, a double chocolate cupcake with boiled frosting, hypothetically. And I was able to guarantee you that it tasted like a million bucks, even though it was, in fact, gluten-free. So everybody's safe. Everybody's safe. Don't worry. No. And then I walked, I walked my way over to this side of the platform, making the tech guys work this morning. And then I, and then I got down here, and I placed just a firm, fresh beauty of a carrot. I mean, golden orange. Just, you know, it's a thing of beauty. And then I stood back here and I said, and then I asked you to stand up, which I'm not going to do, but if I did, I'd say stand up and slowly walk your way towards the one that you want. <laughs> walk towards the one that you, you want. Now, which side of the platform would you be at this morning? Now remember, I'm not asking you to walk towards the one that you should want, or, and I want you to catch this, I'm not even asking you to walk towards the one that you think you want. Walk towards the one that you want, the one that you crave, the one that you love. Now, believe it or not, I'm actually confident that there would be at least a handful of you this morning that would find yourselves lined up somewhere around here. A handful. And of course, of course, the reason that that's surprising is because the majority of us would be lined up in a herd right around this one here, right? With just a little bit of drool pooling in the bottom of our mouths. Because I don't know about you, but I can tell you that my heart is shaped much more like a cupcake than a carrot right? I would be drawn towards the one that I 
love. My heart, my gut, the thing that shapes all of my desires and all of my actions, that's out of shape. You know, Jesus said it himself, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Worship shapes your heart, and your heart shapes your life. Can you say that with me? Your heart shapes your life. Now, when I was trying to come up with the best way to illustrate this biblical idea that choosing to engage in worship can effectively shape your heart and change what you desire, what ultimately came to mind for me was not a, a Bible verse or even a song, but it was a treadmill. That's actually, it's an elliptical machine to be precise. Now, I have never really been a big fan of sports, uh, and if you know who I am uh, well enough, you would say that's a pretty laughable understatement. So uh, the idea of recreational exercise, it's just never really played much of a part in my life. And the idea of exercising for the sake of exercising always seemed to me to be like just the epitome of insanity. Like I just cannot fathom it at all, right? Oh, we've got, we've got some, two applause this morning for things that I would not have anticipated. That's good. Um, so... I, you know, and I always felt like I was in pretty decent shape. You know, I wore the same jeans as I did uh, in my 30s, in my 20s. You know, I'm still, I'm still doing all right. But a couple of years ago, I started noticing that when I stood up to try to find the remote control to change the channel, I was getting out of breath. And um, now I thought, you know, I could just buy multiple remote controls and have them kind of stowed all over the house, but it seemed like a fairly unsustainable model. So I should probably get myself in shape somehow. So what did I do? I went on Kijiji, and I bought an elliptical machine, and I brought it to my house, and I set my alarm for 15 minutes earlier in the morning than I used to, and three mornings a week, I would go downstairs, and I would get on this elliptical machine, uh, and I would exercise for the sake of exercise, which, as I have already stated, uh, seemed insane to me, and as you might have predicted, I felt insane but I kept doing it, and uh, I upped it to five mornings a week, still insane, still insane, and now I upped it to 30 minutes a morning, five mornings a week, and I did that for a few months. I kept that habit going, and something insane happened. It started seeming less insane. I started, I kind of started almost liking it. And then something very surprising happened. I got sick, which is not surprising. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old at home, so the fact that I'm not sick at this moment is a miracle. But the surprising thing was this. This sickness really kind of knocked me on my tail. I was out for about a week. After about four or five days, I noticed that I was missing exercise. <sighs> I, started, I started craving it. Somehow, through the process of engaging with my body in a habit that I, I didn't even really desire, I didn't want, my heart somehow got reshaped. In his book, You Are What You Love, Christian philosopher James K.A. Smith distills this idea, and he applies it directly to corporate Christian worship. He says, Worship isn't just something that we do, it is where God does something to us. Worship 
is the heart of discipleship because it is the gymnasium in which God retrains our hearts. The gymnasium in which God retrains our hearts. I love that. Church, worship is not a spectator sport. Worship shapes your heart. Your heart will shape your life. And then your life is a response of worship. Your life is a response of worship. Living our whole lives as a response of worship to what God has revealed to us, that's our ultimate call in following after him. And if you've spent any time around here, around this church, it is my hope and my prayer that you know that when we talk about living lives of worship, we don't just mean what happens here on Sunday morning, but how we choose to respond to God on Monday mornings and on Wednesday afternoons and on Friday nights and on all points in between. That said, as I've already stated, I'm trying to focus us in this morning on the purpose behind our corporate worship services. Why are we here? So, it's at this point that I would like to suggest the following. In light of our proposed definitions for worship, church, if all we're doing when we come to worship is showing up and making sure that we fill a seat, it may be possible that over the long term, we are missing out on some of the mystical, formational power being offered through worship. Through the progressive revelation of God and the cumulative wisdom and experience that he has poured into the church, worship services like these include all sorts of elements that engage our whole beings. This holy gymnasium involves a variety of exercises. We've got prayer, we've got singing, the reading of scriptures, the sharing of communion, reflective imagery, there's preaching, celebration of baptism, we have contemplative music, giving of tithes and offerings, and more. And these elements employ our senses of sight, sound, smell, touch. They touch our hearts as well as our heads. And we engage in these elements in various ways, you know, depending upon how they're framed, and maybe a little bit depending upon how we're wired. But, and, and this, is a, this is a big but, I believe that God is unlikely to use these exercises to their fullest potential to retrain our hearts if we choose passivity over activity, if we choose not to engage with the body, with our bodies. We must choose to not only be in the room, but be in the moment. God, our Father, in his wisdom, has shaped for us over these millennia an incomparable gift in worship. And it's only by his grace that we're even able to step foot into this holy gymnasium. But if we look this gift in the mouth, so to speak, if we allow our preferences and our distractions to build barriers to our engagement in this retraining process, then we will be the ones losing out. And, and not just any one of us individually, but the church here at Moncton Wesleyan and, and the broader church. Because as Paul told the church at Rome, we are all members of one another. 
Worship shapes your heart. Your heart shapes your life. And your life is a response of worship. You don't have to love everything about it. It's okay if sometimes you don't even feel like being a part of it. You just need to prayerfully and willfully step into this holy gymnasium, into the work that God is already doing on your behalf. As we prepare to respond this morning, let's call back to the scripture that was read for us earlier, Psalm 42. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs praying to God who gives me life. Do you hear? Do you hear how the songwriter here describes his magnetic pull towards God? It's not, it's not primarily cerebral. He's not just trying to think his way to holiness. Let's listen to it again. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? To long, to thirst. These are no longer expressions of the will, but of desire, of hunger. This is the song, not only of a person whose heart is God-shaped, but it is also the song of someone who wants to want to have their heart be God-shaped, of the men and women who understand that actively engaging in this God-ordered worship will help shape their hearts and consequently their lives. This church, this is why we worship all of it, every moment from when you've walked in through and out through those sets of double doors at the back. Every moment is full of God-ordered and God-ordained opportunities to worship, to submit to His way, to put our preferences out of the way and grab onto His purpose, to leave our why behind and grab onto His why so that our lives can become fully shaped responses of worship, the kind described in Romans chapter 12, living sacrifices. Worship shapes your heart. Your heart will shape your life. And your life is a response of worship. It may or may not be good preaching, Either way, at this point, you are probably asking yourself, so what? What you've said may or may not even be true, Pastor Mark, but either way, so what? What do you want me to do about it? Well, I'm asking you to pray about it, which, trust me, I've been in church for 30 years, and I know 
pray about it can sound awful cliche. I know that it can sound like I'm just asking you to kind of shuffle it off. But trust me, this is not, this is not cliche. What we do when we gather here, church, it really, really matters. It is a big deal. We are not just killing time. We're not playing church. This isn't entertainment. This isn't babysitting. We are being formed into the image of God. So for your sake and for my sake, for the sake of the church, the broader church, and frankly, for the sake of kingdom come, I'm asking you to approach these times together expectantly, purposefully, and prayerfully. Not just today, not just for the next sermon series, but for all, for all the time that we have left in this holy gymnasium. Approach worship with the understanding that it's not just something we do, but it's a place where God does something to us. Surrender to Him and to His process. Allow your heart to be shaped so that we can love what He loves, so that we can love how He loves. I can't tell you what to pray this morning. I, I don't even want to do that. It's going to be different for every single one of us, depending upon the shape of our hearts today. What I can do, though, I can let you hear my prayer this morning. Almighty God, I confess to you that my heart is not fully shaped. I do not love you with all of my soul and all of my mind. I do not value others the way that I value myself. And at times, I allow my preferences and my distractions to build barriers, to give me an excuse to disengage from what you are doing in my life. And for that, I am deeply sorrowful. I thank you. I thank you for the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And I thank you that through submitting to this process, I believe that you are shaping my heart, my life, my worship. And I ask that you would help me through the work of your son, Jesus Christ, and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, that you would help me to always be present to your presence. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. The team, the team is going to lead us this morning in a response. And then Pastor Mike is going to lead us as we respond in worship through the waters of baptism. Church, this is an excellent opportunity to practice this approach. Ask God to help you to be present to his presence this morning and for grace to allow your hearts to be shaped through worship. As we sing the song, as we sing about surrender and about hunger and about thirst, don't tune out. Be present to his presence. And as we have the opportunity to reflect on new life through the waters of baptism, don't just watch people get dipped in the water. Don't tune out. 
ask to be present to his presence this morning, to surrender. Let's sing together.